Hi, and welcome to Second Rate Film School. This time we're doing Jurassic Park 3. I'm Jake. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jacob. So yeah, Jurassic Park 3. The fourth best Jurassic Park? Uh, depends on who you ask, I guess. According to Jacob, it's probably the best Jurassic Park, correct? No. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy all these movies, but no. <laughs> oh, look, it's the classic Jurassic Park logo. wonder if they're going to do anything with it. Probably not. Oh! Ah! I remember watching this as a teenager with a couple of friends, and the uh, the logo came up, and my, my friend I was with <laughs> saw it and was like, oh, God, are they going to do something where three claw marks go through the logo to show that it's three? And then right when he said that, the three claw marks went through. Yeah. I remember they did try and change the logos up. Like the second one, um, it was like a little decayed. Like the like it was like broken up a little bit, representing a few years had passed. So, I guess they were still trying to do that. But in the well, most well, here they changed it so the logo is the Spinosaurus instead of yeah. the T Rex, which I'm sure everybody was very happy about. Yeah, I don't mind the idea of having a new big bad dinosaur. It was just how they killed off the T Rex in such a pathetic way. Yes, we'll get to that when we get to the scene, because there's actually some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff, from what I understand. Um, but let's see, let's focus on this scene here, which okay. was one of two times that this film shot on location. So, Wes, why don't you tell your story about uh, this actor here? Yeah, Ben Hildebrand. Um, you can recognize him from like a handful of things. The only other thing I truly recognize him from is my favorite movie ever, Eulogy 2003, starring Zoe Deschanel. No one likes that movie except me. Um, but a few months ago, when I was driving through Beverly Hills, Ben Hildebrand actually walked, or whoever his name is, I just call him Ben Hildebrand, um, was walking through a crosswalk. When Wait, it, hold on. You had this whole story to tell, and you didn't look up the actor's name? No. Right. Uh, he, so continue your story about he who will remain anonymous. I'll put his name up on the screen, but Ben Hildebrand, he's, that's what he's best known for. Um, walked out, like, when the light was not, the, walked across the crosswalk when it wasn't like time for them to do it. So I was just thinking, had I not been paying attention, I could have ran over Ben Hildebrand and I was very tempted to roll my window down and start screaming, Ben! Ben! I'm sure Mr. Anonymous will love the fact that his jaywalking crime has now been committed to audio and published online. Except we no one knows his name, so he, he'll get away with it. Flashing it up on screen again. To be fair, it's not the worst felony someone was close to being caught for out of the cast of Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> but, yeah. It's a shame he's not in more stuff. I, I do like him with the two things I see him in. Ben Hildebrand, we're still talking about him? <laughs> I'm going to talk about him until he's off the screen. So we have this scene. I feel like I'm like Dr. Grant, keeping everyone on track on the plane. So we have this scene now where those guys get killed in the fog, and apparently that's supposed to be the Spinosaurus. By the way, his name was Mark Harrelek. You gotta edit that part out, Was. Oh, I thought you'd keep it to yourself. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That'll make sense later. Uh, maybe depending on who you ask. <laughs> Now, I do love with them, them trying to quickly get unhooked from the boat as if that would kill them. They would just still be up in the air. I don't think them crashing the rocks would. Well, I mean, there's enough slack that they would have been fine. It probably would have whipped them 
yeah. probably do a certain. I mean, I don't know. Look, stop poking holes through this movie, was. I'm gonna keep doing it. Up front. Like, this is our this is our inciting event, and now they are stuck on the island. Listen, we're four minutes and we're halfway through this movie at this point. Okay, how many how many runtime jokes can we make during this movie? I have to keep track. I'm gonna put a counter up in the screen in the bottom corner every time we do it. Okay. So here's a potentially solid fake out. Are we supposed to think that's their family and then the new husband comes in and that's when you find out they aren't together? You know, call me an idiot, but when I was a kid when I saw this in theaters, I, I didn't get the fake out. I just still thought they were together. You thought that was like their friend, their platonic yeah. friend that no. went home with them? I thought he was her brother. <laughs> Except then they kiss like that. So I, mean, I don't know what I was thinking, but they kiss on the mouth. I think because I was. In... This is why it's good that Jake doesn't have a sister. <laughs> so I think I just assumed they were married because you know you would think. And I, and again, the problem, it, it's not the problem that they're not together anymore. It's just kind of the execution of it that just kind of glossed over and everything. It, it's, yeah, it's it, not a lot of tension is given to it, or it's doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. This scene's actually a great example of that, where you think they're going to have like a character moment where you're going to find out where they've been over the years, and then they just ask her husband what his job is, and then he just talks about raptors the rest of the time to build up like later scenes in the movie. Yeah, he's traumatizing Dr. Sadler. He's bringing up these past traumas. <laughs> That's why their relationship didn't work out. Like, anytime they were trying to do something, raptors would be... He would just shift it back to raptors. That that was their pillow talk. Remember the raptors? Raptors, mostly. Yeah, Dr. Grant is not good at picking up the social signals here. <laughs> just, just, like He's, like, going on, and she's clearly, like, uncomfortable. She, she was about to be like, so, my husband's going to be gone for a while. You want to fuck for old time's sake? Let's talk about raptors. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's why I left you. I like to think that the oldest son is actually his, that they hooked up on the night of her wedding, the night before her wedding, and she had to keep it a secret from her State Department husband. Maybe if they didn't have done one more rewrite, that would have been in there. This just makes it, that makes me think of Arrested Development, where Oscar was secretly the father of, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. The youngest one. What's the youngest? Buster? Buster. Is oh. Secretly Buster's father, and they keep hinting at it. They should have done that one in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't do that. That would make the movie an hour and 40 minutes, so you couldn't do that. Sure, start tension. That, that's, that's a good way to uh, sum up how the scenes of this film go. Sure, out of there. I mean... Really, though, joking aside, is there, like, what reason is there to not have her married him? The only two reasons I've ever personally heard is, one, to have the State Department connection to help rescue them at the end, and two, to explain why she's not with them, but they could still just have it as, hey, this was supposed to be, like, a one-day thing, like, he thought, like, it was going to be the tour, and it was going to be turning around, we don't need to have two, both of us go type thing, and... That be it. Like, I've never really gotten it, and I am a little jaded that they're not together. Well, again, it's like Jake said. This could have been interesting if it was developed or made, like, a more cohesive part of the story. But here it's like it just happens. It's really, honestly, story structure-wise, it's a deus ex machina just to explain how they get off the island. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Because her husband works for the State Department. That's it. Yeah, it could have been a real character-based thing, or it could have said something new about Dr. Grant as to why they weren't together. Something. There could have been some sort of arc behind that. Yeah, maybe, like, when he's when he's calling her and he's desperate, maybe that's, like, his last chance to, like, apologize to her or something, where maybe he's admitting his mistake. Something. Yeah. Instead of saying something new about Dr. Grant, 
Dr. Grant just says something new about the Raptors. Yeah. But either way, we should move on to this scene now because we have to talk about this scene since we're going at a, a yeah. This movie's this movie's going way ahead of us. So we yeah, I had I had multiple things to say about the scene, and we're already past the speech. <laughs> I'll quickly summarize it up. Oh yeah. Well, first I was going to make fun of the speech, which is just like some sort of like weird, like weirdly prophetic and dystopic kind of uh, speech, where he's basically just like. Raptors could have been the dominant species on this planet. They could have taken over if circumstances were different. Thank you for your time. <laughs> it's like kind of weirdly non-scientific, too. He's just like, you know, they're super smart. Thank you. Well, that's why people were leaving. Uh, it's like, yeah, we already know this. That's the other thing. And this is like a, a stupid nitpick. I, I don't even like picking on these things, but they showed the nice shot where they're panning through the audience and people were leaving. And it's great because it shows how people kind of don't care how Dr. Grant, who studies dinosaurs, has become a dinosaur himself. But then the wide shots, everybody's just sitting there, and it's like a full crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you do the best you can. Maybe they had to get the coverage of Sam Neill first. They had to get all that stuff first, and they, they shot the other stuff last. It's like a classic Jurassic Park sequel line right there. <laughs> I'll never go back to that island. Well, that transition also reminds me of the transition from Lost World, where like the little girl's being attacked, and then her mom screams, and then immediately cuts to like Jeff Goldblum in front of like a sky background yawning as like the subway goes over. So it's like him roaring. It's like a weird transition. It's that is like that is the greatest transition <laughs> I, out of any of these movies. I love that. Cut. I, I do, but I just I just think of that anytime because it's like the same sky blue background behind like the pilot guy but i don't know i just love it and think of that every time well it was originally going to have a deleted scene between those two those two scenes in the boardroom with uh what was his name you're talking about uh ludlow right ludlow yeah, yeah that ludlow. was and then it was going to cut to the amalgam shop but cutting that out just kind of accidentally created this great cut yeah very humorous cut actually i would have thought that was intentional That's yeah very yeah. Interesting. yeah wow all right so we're introducing our quote-unquote mercenary characters here who do absolutely nothing <laughs> well I really i really like udeski in this movie he's okay. just like a normal guy who's just kind of strung along with all this <laughs> which means he's gonna die horribly very soon well, i remember that same friend i was watching it with at the time was like when they were all stranded on the island he's like okay who's gonna die here the guy from the first movie prestigious actor William H. Macy, prestigious actress Tia Leone, or like the, the chubby bald guy. <laughs> and what's weird is like the same thing, like there's like a weird similar dynamic with the characters in the uh, the second one where... Uh, yeah, with Richard Schiff because that was before he was on West Wing or anything like although, that. Although ironically, he's probably the most heroic character out of that bunch in that Oh movie. yeah, mm-hmm. sure. But that's for another commentary. Sorry, I've had to put my phone on silent. So, oh my god, well, what, what kind of professional are we dealing with here? Well, let's talk about how Joe Johnson wanted to direct The Lost World, and then Spielberg wanted to do that. And so Spielberg made a deal with him to direct this one. It's kind of strange, because even though this movie's better directed, um, maybe in a perfect world, Joe Johnson would have been better to direct The Lost World. <laughs> I think this this movie has like a little bit more energy to it in terms of the direction, even though like the budget's notably lower and... There's not nearly as much going on under the surface. There's still parts. I mean, like I think there's things that are well directed in the Lost World too. But I think the directing is very, very solid in this movie. Yeah. Oh, hold on, we're coming up to one of my favorite parts, the resonating chamber. Now I don't know why, but I'm the only person who thinks that this is the funniest thing. Yeah, 
I, I think it's like ridiculous. They use like a, a 3D printer and they like, they, they create like a fossil, like a perfectly shaped fossil that if you blow into it, it makes like a dinosaur VFX sound that you can talk to raptors with. It's fine. I believe it. It's, I think I, it makes it credible. I, I look, I enjoy this. I enjoy this whole movie. I think this is the funniest thing ever. It's like it's like a Velociraptor VFX, and he's just like instead of just being like, "Oh my god," what, he's just like he's having like flashbacks. It's great, even though they never played that sound at all in the original one. Well, I just I think it's I think it's very funny. It's a little thing that amuses me to no end. Well, it's definitely weird because the raptors do make sounds in the first one. It's like I don't know why they decided to make like a whistling, like haunting whistling, like that clearly like. Like you said, like was it a VFX sound like that was not recorded live there. It's very clearly like dubbed over them. So like I don't know. I'm fine with like the creation of it and all that. I do think it's a little humorous, but the sound effect itself is what puzzles me more than it, the, the creation the, of the it. The Jurassic Park movies, even though the sequels are all like none of them have really reached the levels of the first one. None of them have had that tangible silly moment that everybody can cite as a jump in the shark moment. But I will always say that the talking raptor chamber thing is as close yeah. as it's ever going to come. Oh, and we just passed the, or, or passing the Jurassic Park pinball machine, apparently. Well, going back to that, I don't think it's so much the resonating chamber. I think it's interesting that they try to like further the further the studies of dinosaurs and everything and try to integrate it into the narrative with, with like its setup and payoff. It's just, why that? It just, it's, so, it's such like a small thing. It's just kind of emblematic of this entire movie. Well, it's like the raptors were intelligent, but they weren't like... At the end, they're, like, talking with the raptors. And I understand they don't, like... It's not, like... It's not literal words, but it, it starts to stretch the credulity just a bit. Yeah. You think this... The whole resonating thing... Chamber thing was created because they had to find a solution first to... To escaping the raptors? Or, like, they got to the script point, they're like, Oh, shit, how did they get out of this? And they're like, uh... Well, uh. I, I would like to think that. But they, he has, like, a whole thing throughout the movie where he's, like, talking about the raptors communicating and he gets, like, obsessed with them. Yeah. That always, it's, that always was like a, it's interesting in concept to me that Dr. Grant like has kind of gotten obsessed with the raptors, but which it, is, it seems more arbitrary yeah. versus like really building off his experience in the last film. His disdain of the, the island and what Hammond created, that feels a lot more natural to me. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. when I'm like, I could see Dr. Grant being at that point, but at this point where he's like obsessed with the raptors, I, I he's not obs like... Like crazy obsessed, but it seems uh, a little strange. To the, me. the script makes it seem like he's more interested in raptors or something like that, or it seems that the narrative seems just makes seems to make this larger point of that for some reason. Like you said, it's incidental. And it's, at least it comes off as incidental. I'm not quite sure what it all means thematically, other than like <laughs> a broad family theme where it's like they, you know, the Kirby's are going after their son, and then. The raptors are going after their children. Oh my god! I, I think just that's got that. parallel. I've never thought that. Yeah, I never thought that either. That was a bit sarcastic. Welcome to Jake's 129th viewing of Jurassic Park. <laughs> As in me, Jake. Yeah. Um, I do have to say though, the thing I do find about it very weird is his involvement with the raptors is very minimal compared to his involvement with the t-rex i know they need to introduce the big bat but i always found it was a little weird that he was obsessed with the raptors considering it's not till like the last 15 minutes of the movie that he has to deal with raptors at all in the first one so it's very interesting that they, he, they make a big impact i know maybe they're saying the raptors even though he dealt with them a lot less were a lot more cunning and that freaks him the fuck out versus 
yeah, the T-Rex is huge, but it's a giant dumb lizard, so I, I'm not sure about that. Okay, I want to talk, briefly touch yeah. on this, where this scene they introduce Billy's lucky pack, and he gives a whole story about how he was like mountain climbing or something with this lucky pack and it saved his life, and later comes back to be like a notable plot point. The same thing happened in the last movie, Yeah, where Sarah Harding, Julian Moore, had a, uh, a lucky pack, which had a story, and later came back in. It's like very strange that like that was accidentally in both movies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's like a a recurring like echo or something. I think that's just an accidental thing. That's what's yeah. interesting about yeah. it. Like it's it has to be accidental. Yeah. Well, and it's weird because it doesn't even need to be a lucky bag. Like other than the fact that Grant oh, uh, uh, at church. Um, other yeah, than Grant, like keeping the bag and then being reluctant and Billy like winding it back very quickly. Like there's no need for it to be a lucky bag. I, I think they just weird. needed to justify how this, how they could hold on to this thing amidst all this action. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's just weird that they would use like the same plot device. Yeah. Oh yeah. By accident. That's what's so funny about it. Oh, there was a thousand memes being created. Yeah. You know, I never thought that was big, as big yeah. a deal as I think people the, claim to be. I think the resonating chamber is funnier than the talking raptor, but that's that's just what happens when you've seen this movie more times than you've seen all three Godfathers combined. <laughs> I'm not proud of that fact, but it's what happened. Well, you could watch this movie three times in the amount of time you could watch The Godfather. Okay, number two, one-time joke. I think that's number three. <laughs> oh, wow. We should have brought some paper. Door out. I'll keep track, and then I'll tell you retroactively when I'm done editing it. You, you should, like, have a counter on the bottom and have that, like, annoying cinema sin sound. Ding. Oh, God. The ding. I've actually done that in a number of our commentaries because we've introduced running jokes. Um, one of them was Jake saying how great Spider-Man 2 is. Like, you say it, like, <laughs> ten times. <laughs> I won't be saying it for this movie. Don't worry. Adequate will be the word we use. It's like... It's fun. This is a fun movie. It does its job. If you want to watch a, an 85-minute movie of people getting chased and eaten by dinosaurs, this is the movie for you. You know, this is the perfect packing movie. <laughs> like, if you want I'm to... packed to this movie. I'm packed to this movie, too. Oh, hold on. So we have our obligatory dinosaurs are amazing scene. In the first one, it's the classic scene with the Brachiosaurus. The second one, you got the Stegosaurus. In this, they kind of look out a plane window and they see some CGI plant eaters... That's it. Yeah, and they will not be seen again pretty much until, like... The funny thing the is end. that... Yeah, the funny thing is that Dr. Grant's reaction kind of sells it more than any of the imagery does in here, where he says, my God, I almost forgot. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, Sam Neill is acting a lot more than he probably should be for this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's trying a lot. He's actually... He's very good in this yeah. movie. Yeah. He, he really brings some depth to his character there. Well, I can say, like, that's the thing, like, with all of them. Like, even though, like, there are some laughable lines of Leone and, like, William H. Macy, like, they still act through what they're given. So, it, for all the problems in this movie, I don't think you'd say acting is any one of them. No, I mean... No, they're all, they're all really good actors. All these actors, all these accomplished actors could pull off this material. This isn't William H. Macy, when they asked him why he did this, he, at the time, he was like, because I'm 50 and I get to run away from dinosaurs. Oh, not... My daughter needs to go to college. Well, no, because oh, clearly wow. that, wasn't, that wasn't an issue. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Oh, thank God the captions came up with her saying Eric, because I was all about to make reference to the son, Eric, but I got his name confused with Billy, so I was going to say, you know, 
Billy does a really good job acting in this meeting. The child actor is a, pr- a pretty decent child actor. But I was to make it seem like the guy playing Billy was like mentally handicapped. <laughs> they both do a good job, though. Who? Which one? Billy. I, I was going to praise Eric most. I think he does a very good job as a kid actor. I know he's a little older than all the previous kids. but Trevor I, Morgan. Yeah, but... He uh, was in... Uh, what's his name? He's in Richie Rich. Well, what's funny is he was oh, yeah. in... Uh, the Barney movie, if you want to talk about dinosaur movies. Yeah, which is very ironic. He was also in The, uh-huh. the Sixth Sense, funny enough. Oh, he was. He's yeah, in Billy. Yeah. yeah. But then this guy who plays Billy is named Alessandro Nivola. Yeah, and he's been in like a lot of like sort of independent movies since then. But now he's got that like Sopranos thing that he's going to yeah. be in. Yeah, he's got the He was in Face Off as well. He was. Yeah, uh, Those were the off. two biggest movies that he did. I don't. I, I can't explain why he, he hasn't done as much sense. He's pretty but... decent. Like, I don't think he's like terrible or anything. So it's like... He might have not weird. wanted to from what Maybe. I understand. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame him. He was in that one that we saw. What was that one we saw with Walking Phoenix? Oh, oh! You were never really here. Yeah, he was in that. Yeah, yeah. He, he you see him pop up in a lot of stuff. And you're like, you go, oh, that guy. I like him. Yeah, but I like his character. I mean, maybe not the character, but maybe it's his performance that elevates it slightly. Because he was my favorite character as a kid, but there isn't much to him other than he's just that cool older guy. That's about it. He's the cool college age student that probably gets more than most of the other characters in this movie. He was hitting on that one girl in the air. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know there's a deleted scene of him and Talia fucking in the jungle. You, you know William H. Macy would have been like the cuckold. <laughs> you know, that's like, oh. that would be something that happened to him. Oh. Great job. This Poor great Cooper. Part. I think this is literally the only reason why he's in this, just for this badass moment. <laughs> yeah, I like pretty much... All three things Cooper does in this movie. <laughs> his line about the church, his line about, his sarcastic line about, uh, Keeping it to himself if he saw it. Yeah, then. and then his emotional scene there. All three things he does in this movie are pretty solid. And he pistol whips Sam Neill. Oh, yeah, that's right. But you don't really see the actor do that. It's all from the It's implied, yeah. You think Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor wrote that shot? I think so. That That's like a competent part of the movie. It's a cool part of the movie. I don't I think, think so. so. I don't think that much of what they wrote ended up in here other than some broad ideas and characters. Well, can you talk about that? Because you actually talked to Jim Taylor once and he talked to you about writing for this movie with Alexander Payne. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that briefly. It was very... Go so ahead, because we're was... running out of time. We got like 10 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I was at a, a screening and I had talked to one of the writers... Um, and they, uh, like Jake said, it was Jim Taylor. I was going to keep it discreet, but now Jim Taylor is going to have to listen to this thing, I guess. Um, and I asked, and he was basically just like talking about how it was all, um, they were brought in to write a draft, but like all the sets were built already. So they kind of had to write this movie based around the set pieces. And so they did it. They wrote the draft. They said, uh, I believe that they included Ellie Sadler, that was their idea. Hmm. And it was just because uh, they were friends with... Um, Laura Dern. Laura Dern, which was a good choice because it's nice to have her back. And then uh, I guess the final film doesn't resemble much of what their script was, just like some of the broad ideas and stuff like that. It's like one of those films where like, it went through a hundred iterations. I mean, you can go online and you can see there's a ton of different versions of this movie out here with different plots and... Ultimately, just kind of like they had to, they had to film it. They had the sets built, mm-hmm. and uh, they came up with like sort of a, a competent plot, 
with a competent emotional core that would work around all the sets that were built already. The the uh, Kirby's seem like Alexander Payne, Payne characters, at least the closest to that. They seem like Alexander Payne characters just dropped into this movie. Yeah, I wonder if it would have been more from. interesting if they were more antagonistic. Yeah, because like they've got like a relatable emotional core with the son, and Doctor Grant gets along with the son. But if they were more antagonistic towards Doctor Grant, oh, could you imagine like William H Macy is like a falling down sort of thing, where he just snaps? Yeah, and he he could be like threatening to like you know leave him to the dinosaurs or like get him in even more trouble. Yeah, it becomes like a like Lord of the Flies type thing. They could have like, had him, a lot of stuff you could do. They could have yeah. had him have the only gun on that. Like, yeah. You know, He's like this, you know, inept guy, and now he, you know, finally has some control or something, and he just descends into just psychopathy. Yeah. Like, they, or just like, or even that, or they could just be like, you know, you're not leaving this island until we have our son, and like, we're all getting out of this together, and they're even willing to sacrifice Dr. Grant if it saves their son. Uh, yes, that's they, better. I shouldn't say psychopathy. Yeah, well, they could have even done it. They <laughs> no, could I even... would love a Jurassic Park movie with a psychotic doctor, or not Dr. Grant, with a psychotic William H. Macy. They could have even done a thing where, like, the radio was intact from the plane, and they, like, mentioned before they find it, like, well, there's a radio station in this building, and Dr. Grant's gonna try and radio that, and, like, he shoots the radio, and he's like, well, now we have to go to the tower to find it. You know, find the radio that gives us more time, like actively sabotaging mm. Grant's things, Jeff. Now, I want to say I remember reading one of those old Disney adventure comics that had a, for some reason, even though neither of these movies are Disney yet, um, they had a story about the making of this and the Mummy Returns. And yeah, they, were, they used to cover all those blockbusters yeah. in that magazine. But yeah, they were talking about like how um, Spielberg was getting a little too excited about. Um, about like you know controlling the robot moving the plane back and forth and like tormenting the actors so i like to think spielberg is a sadist also we should actually put up a timer for how long the t-rex is on the screen coming up we'll leave that to you andrew um we man we didn't even get to touch on like the spinosaurus there like they <laughs> oh. built a full-size animatronic spinosaurus yeah. which we'll we'll get back to when the fight starts to sort of break down why it's so short um, but okay. You got your shot of the T-Rex coming up. And the buzzer starts now. It's very generous to the buzzer. I was going to start it when they <laughs> started fighting. Yeah. I mean, the clock starts now. I I'm getting, like, ahead of myself. Not by much, but a little bit. That's a nice beat where he's like, don't move, and they all yeah. run away. Yeah. All right, now we... Now this here's the fight. So, apparently part of the reason... Because this fight... Like, if you watch the trailers, there's clearly shots that were deleted. Like, there's a shot of, like, the Spinosaurus slapping the T-Rex. And it, they clearly cut it down. There's a, even a great interview with the composer of this movie, Don Davis, where he's talking about how, uh... He's talking about his, like, music he wrote for this scene. He's like, oh, it's great. We have a new theme for the Spinosaurus. And it, it duels John Williams' theme for the T-Rex. But then in the actual movie, there's just no music in this scene. So clearly it was meant to go on longer. My understanding is part of it might have been that the uh, the animatronics broke down. The Spinosaurus one might have actually broken the T-Rex animatronic. And there goes the T-Rex. 55 seconds. Yep. I also like the sad fact that that's supposedly been said to be the baby T-Rex from the second one. I don't know if they could get that big quite that quickly, but that would have been a cool element if they showed like the T-Rex limping a little bit and make the implication even more solid. That would have 
been funny because it would have rendered the entire second movie pointless if it just got randomly killed. I mean, it's either, I mean, I don't know if they said how many T-Rexes are on there, but it's either that one or it's mother or father, so there we go. So they did that whole thing in San Diego just so it could get killed by a Spinosaurus. Like ten years later. Now here they do mention that um, mention that this is a different island than the first one. And I love that it's like him being there is just predicated upon like a dumb misunderstanding by yeah. the Kirby's. Like it's like didn't research it and didn't realize that they weren't on the island or whatever. They read the first Wikipedia sense on his Wikipedia page. But um, in the sequel, The Lost World, in the book version, they had to be on a second island because at the end of the first movie, the um, Air Force, like, carpet bombs and napalms yeah. the island to get rid of them. So Crichton had to create a um, second island to make the sequel. It's always something I found weird with the movies because that was not actually, and I think, um, Jacob, you said that they did have an alternate ending or an alternate line for in The Lost World where they mentioned that happening. But it's very weird that they felt the need to create the second island when that wasn't anything they were beholden to for the film series. It is It is strange. On one hand, you could say there weren't a lot of dinosaurs on the first island that they could form the ecosystem that they wanted in the second movie. Because you think about it, there's like one T-Rex. It's like some of the herbivores. There's only there's no raptors left. Yeah. But really, you could hand-wave a lot of that stuff. You could like just like throw in a line to explain it. So it is, yeah. it is a weird choice, but... Now I'm just upset that the new movies don't reference Isla Sorna at all. Yeah, they, it, it they goes to back, back and forth, Sorna. Well, and that's like even a thing where they say in the newest one in Fallen Kingdom, they're like, oh, we're going to take them to another island. And like, I remember like in the theater, like, oh, they're going to go to Isla, Isla Snor- Snort, whatever. And it's like, no, but completely different. Island. It's like, why can't we go to that one? I, I think they my, my eyes lit up when I heard that line in the fifth one. And I was like, oh my God, Wait. is there going to be an Isla Sorna reference in this? I, I think we could see in the next one. That, that's their ace in the hole if they need any more dinosaurs. Yeah. Did you just... <laughs> Did you just use Isla Sorna and Ace in the Hole in the same sentence? Hey, if, if the writers, because I'm very proud of you right now. If the writers need more dinosaurs, if they need to go somewhere with an island of dinosaurs, they can go to Isla Sorna. They have that in their back pocket. No, the so, Russian mafia has all the dinosaurs. We're good now. That's yeah. where the future of the series is going. Hence why I'm not going to go see that next movie. So in this scene, they talk about how the Spinosaurus wasn't on InGen's list and they may have been up to something else. Well, this has been explained in the expanded Jurassic World canon that the spinosaurus was originally an early attempt to create a, a genetically modified dinosaur and that's why it's so big and strong in this so there you go gotta retroactively fix mistakes you've made in the previous movie we gotta retroactively connect this all to bd wong <laughs> these, these things that the writers didn't even get a shit shit, up, shit about just throwaway lines and they gotta desperately connect them in like the expanded well, it's like one of those things where that could have developed into a bigger, more interesting idea, but the movie's scale stays small the whole time. Yeah, it, it serves yeah, no purpose. True. Part of me can appreciate that they keep a character focus, but another part of me is like, I wish they were a little more ambitious with this, especially because yeah. it's like, like there's another scene in the when he's giving the speech where the, the student mentions that the Costa Rican government hasn't decided to do with, with the island of dinosaurs. And it's like, well... That could be an interesting movie. What would happen if they came to their decision? What would they want to do with it? Mm -hmm. But again, it's just like this really small... It's almost like a a side story, this whole movie. It feels like a B-plot. It's like... A (laughs) B-plot that never got it off the ground. This was like... 
this would be just a B plot amongst many other plots in a Jurassic World movie now, you know? Yeah, yeah. You can see Alan Grant having his A plot, and then you got the Kirbys looking for their son in the B plot. Or no, like this whole movie with this group searching for kids, uh, the kid on the island would be the B plot, and then there'd be an A plot on another island, and it would be this enormous way over big thing. Now, because now the movie's like... I don't know if you could do a Jurassic Park movie at this scale anymore. Because no, the, the expectations um, put upon that franchise would be too big. Well, that's why everyone was pissed off with the uh, Fallen Kingdom. Because, you know, you see all the shots in the trailer, which are from, like, the last 30 seconds of the movie with, like, the sea dinosaur swimming through the wave. You see, like, there was one trailer with the, gira- with the t- T-Rex um, roaring at the lion and all that. It's like, all that came in the last 30 seconds of the movie and they were trying to trick us into thinking that's the entire movie. You know, so I agree I that really, they couldn't I really that. didn't like that they did that. Couldn't, that would have, you know, that would have been really cool if we went into that movie not knowing that that was the direction they were yeah. going. But basically, like, you watch the trailers and you either are tricked into thinking that that's the movie or you're like, oh, that's the ending of the movie. It's like a weird thing to give away. Yeah, it's but like... I, I mean, I, I get it from like a marketing standpoint, but... It's, it's essentially a trailer for the next one more than the tra- for the, a trailer for the one we were actually going to get. Um, but, yeah, uh, actually, yeah. But yeah, now, it could, now could you imagine, though, if like they had a ticking clock, it's like, we have to get our son off the island because the Air Force is going to napalm the island in like 72 hours. So like there's a ticking clock like the... They're like, we're not going to risk our soldiers going to find your kid that's probably already dead, and they have to sneak on the island. It's like, we got to get the fuck off the island before the Air Force drops a nuke on this island. That would have been a better movie. Actually, a ticking clock element like that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I wasn't completely being sarcastic. I just wanted to add my action voice. No, but no. yeah. It, it definitely would have added something, and then I get it that... Ellie was able to get the State Department to move the like they get the Navy and Marines there, but it would have been a little bit more realistic in the court instead of she somehow got a naval ship to mobilize in like three hours versus they were offshore and they made made a few phone calls, like okay, we're gonna hold off the bombing and send you guys ashore to go find them first. Well, just it adds some stakes to it. It's kind of like an alien. Yeah, I was, I was they, they got to get off that. before the uh, the base explodes. You get from orbit just to be safe. Only way to be sure. Oh yeah, that's the line. Yeah. Get it fucking right next time. God, now I want Bill Paxton to be. Oh, I mean, he can't be, but um, it would have been great to have Bill Paxton in these movies. Sure. I yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, no, just get Bill Pullman and they're interchangeable. <laughs> Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. Which incidentally is one of my favorite Family Guy, or uh, it was like American Dad, where they joked about that, where Bill Pullman didn't even know who he was. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Also, take that, you jaywalking son of a bitch. <laughs> what do we think happened to him here? I think he just wasted away. I mean, wait, how, how long ago? Well, no, he, he wouldn't like. He no, wouldn't he... just like hang there and like starve to death. So I assumed a dinosaur killed him. Probably. I he saw... just rotted away. But like, what do, what do we think killed? There's him? There's a YouTube um, site that or a YouTube channel that does like extended lore for all the Jurassic Park movies and dives into the books and the comics and all that and they go into one of the early um, scripts for this where they have the, they're watching like the video footage and the way it's describing Ben talking is he's grunting as they're going down like he's clearly in pain and then he's like getting a little weaker in his voice as he's talking as he's going as like don't worry we'll be fine with the implication like he got the shit beaten out of him and like got like 
like internal bleeding and got something severed on the way down and before like he could unhook himself like bled out but, uh, maybe they should have kept it a secret then that's yeah. that's very anticlimactic yeah i mean and the person who does the youtube channel like that intimates it could have been like his femoral artery which i think that's the one that's in your leg and that's why his legs are gone because then his legs are covered in blood and that attracted like some carnivore to go by that's why his corpse is missing its legs but yeah i agree it's just like it's it, like you said it's very anticlimactic but i think that's it, too it, thought it, out i think a dinosaur yeah. <laughs> just got him and that's i it. was gonna say it i i figured just the dinosaur got him when he was stuck there and eric's like i ain't burying that body <laughs> yeah it could have been literally as soon as eric's on the ground the fucking t-rex comes through and ben's like all right eric we'll get through this <laughs> you see it's like and eric running away it was the spinosaurus because the spinosaurus is everywhere in this movie and nowhere in part two but that would have been cool like you were talking about before where we could have they could have done something different with InGen, where they went deeper into that or something where they've Maybe InGen is still doing stuff on this island, actually. Yeah, I kinda wish this movie was more ambitious with its plot. I think of it the the shot when they run out of the InGen building and you see the InGen logo there, and I'm like I, every time I see that shot, I'm like, I wish there was like something else going on in this. I appreciate yeah. any movie that focuses on character and that it doesn't need to be the biggest movie ever, but on the same token it just kind of feels like a flat story when all is said and done. Well, and especially where how they were like a malevolent like force and like the main like antagonist of the second one. Like you, that is kind of like a lost thing. And you, we swipe back into that with um, the Jurassic World movies having uh, major corporate human antagonists. So it is very weird how this one is the one that then drops that element. Yeah, like, they show up at the base, and, like, maybe they accidentally come upon some experiments. Maybe Eric's being kept there because he found out about them, and they don't want him to get out or mm -hmm. something. Or I, maybe I they're know. experimenting, I mean, like, they're we're, injecting with raptor we're, blood. We're, we're basically coming up with whole different movies here. And But the larger point is not that this movie's plot needed to be beefed up so much as it's just strange and disappointing after the scope of the previous movies to do yeah. such, like, a... A scaled down thing when it doesn't really amount to much. No, now with this shot, just real quick of um, him Grant looking into that truck. I remember on the IMDb message boards back when those were a thing, reading people thinking like, "Oh, is that the car Malcolm hides in in Lost World?" That's all smashed up. Like there, that's it, what I thought too. Yeah, because it's weird. Because and people have said, "Well, no, it's not the same type of car. They're not at at the same building." But it makes zero sense for Grant to look through the windows, like because it's like they're calling attention wow. to something. So what? I sum it up as it's like those old um, Universal uh, monster movies from the 30s and 40s where they'll make references to the previous ones, but they hadn't watched those movies since they made them. So like the continuity's out the window. They're like, oh, what did Frankenstein's castle look like? Ah, oh, fucking no. Just make something up. What what the car look like? Ah, eh, fuck it. Just get another car. I think it's foreshadowing to the raptors, and that's it. Because yeah. we just saw the raptor go by there, and that's yeah. what kind of Grant was looking at. So it just, yeah. again, another accidental reference to the possible reference to Maybe, the second yeah. movie. Coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly enough, this set was uh this like whole like compound compound set was uh that only got taken down like last year 2019 it was built behind the airplane set for more of the worlds in universal studios and it had just mm -hmm. been there for years until it finally caved in on itself last year yeah apparently like that was before the world of worlds plane was there like that was on the tour which makes sense because the cars section which features most of the cars from jurassic park 3 is like right next to that so it kind of makes sense how that would have segued and they're like 
fuck it, we're not moving the cars. Just add the Flintstones car, the Back to the Future car, so it's not just Jurassic Park 3 anymore. I'm sure nobody was disappointed with that. Oh, is this a set from Jurassic Park? Well, it's Jurassic Park 3. Oh. Oh. I mean, it is a cool-looking set, and it's, like, a shame that it's, like, again, with the movie being 32 minutes long, uh, that they don't do more in this setting. Well... Bring back to another idea. I always wanted them to bring in the bio sign from the books. Uh, Dotson's company. He, they were like he was like the competitor to yeah. Hammond and Ingen. I always wanted to bring them to do that something with that. Ironically, now would be a good time to do that with the new movie where dinosaurs have gone open source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because yeah, I mean, you never. Um... They have never referenced Dotson or any of that plan with Nedry since the first one. The next time they made reference to it um, was in the Telltale video yeah. games. That was the only time they've ever referenced it since. Yep. Which I appreciate, and that made me want to play that game. But I am an old yeah. man. I don't what, have any what system is that on? I think it was PC, and then they had it like on Xbox. Like I know, like was it on PS3? Maybe, yeah. Because I know, like the Back to the Future. I'm an old one. man, and I'm, I only have a PlayStation Three. Yeah. Um, but I'm even older. I only have PlayStation Two, and the like. The have you guys played <laughs> Resistance: Fall of Man? It's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's very weird because Telltale, like, it was primarily PC, but like they released them very weirdly on some of their ports. Like the Back to the Future game, like, got released on the Wii, but Jurassic Park, from what I understand, didn't. So it's like it's weird that they were picking and choosing what console they wanted to go for something to go on. I mean, that's like a whole other conversation, but the Wii might have just not been powerful enough for it. I mean, it looked like the same like art style and everything as the Back to the Future one, but that's besides the point. Um, This is a nice little moment here. Yeah. See, this is like, this is like how raptors are supposed to be intelligent, like with yeah. problem solving, not literally, by, not by actually like talking with each other, like I guess it's doing now. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I like how the captions call it cawing. Could you imagine if like the captions, like it was an Easter egg where they included like what the raptors were saying? There's that engine shot. Yeah. Bye, engine. It's the last we'll see you in the movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, they make reference when they talk about, like, what else was it? Oh, wait, was that already happening? Did that line already what? happen? What else does was engineer? Oh, yeah, that happened, like, ten minutes ago. Okay, I can't remember. I couldn't remember if that was later on. No. Oh, here's the next plant um, eater herbivore shot, and then not again until the very end. But it's not whimsical here. We, okay, this is probably not the best scene to bring this point up, but maybe the reason we don't see Isla Sorna is because the population wiped itself out, because it seems to be composed of almost exclusively meat-eating, man-eating dinosaurs, carnivores, <laughs> because we get, like, a minute of herbivore footage in this. We got this shot, the opening where they are in the plane. And then the riverboat. And the riverboat. That's a shame, because this is, like, a great idea for a set piece, going through, like, a stampede. Too bad they already did that in the first one. Well, they just did it, Jake. Oh, oh they did that in the first one. No, I mean, just a better one. Oh, no, I absolutely. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, that, that's it. Yep. <laughs> they ran through it. Now, I have to say, this part here with um, the clown from um, Airbud, um, which is the only thing I will refer to him as, uh, I was very confused by this growing up. Um, so I took it as... 
this is he's completely dead now and then in a minute when they say they set a trap for us and you see his body moving i thought the raptors were somehow moving his body like i as a young kid I'm like how are they moving his body Not, oh he's still kind of alive and then they just don't they kind of cut the shot a little quicker to show them like snapping his neck that's so that's so silly they they, they the raptors like break his they, they break his neck they might as well have, like pulled out a knife and just slit his throat. yeah <laughs> but no sir, it was literally because he says he's dead and then he starts moving i'm like oh what did the raptors do to like make him move what is it you think it was like a marionette or something They're, like, <laughs> they, they put on a flesh suit i was like flesh suit i was like six leave me alone um but yeah because it's just very weird, just, like, because I understand what they do. They, like, left him partially alive as, like, a trap, again, going to their, like, intelligent. And then you're about to, like, yeah, they say it there. But, like, I thought they meant, like, they killed him and then were manipulating him somehow. So just six-year-old me misunderstood the chain of events. No, that's ridiculous. Now let's please watch this scene where the raptor carefully coordinates snapping this guy's neck. <laughs> that dinosaur just wink at me which is a reference to jake's angry yell at um fallen kingdom when the dinosaur quite literally winks before killing buffalo bill yeah oh yeah you you know one's mileage may vary on if they enjoyed jurassic world fallen kingdom However, you would have enjoyed it if you watched it with Jake. <laughs> he literally said loud enough for multiple people to hear. Did that dinosaur just fucking wink? Like you, I think you were more angry about that than I've ever seen you. It wasn't. I I it was, wasn't just winking. It was breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe and it. And borderline smiled as well. Yes, it smirked. It oh my smirked god! And I, Christ, just bring it up. I'm, I'm, I'm still astonished. I uh, just the gall. Just near like a gunshot in the background, and Jake's not going to talk for the rest of her commentary. <laughs> I'm also imagining this is like the first few years for Robin Williams' character in Jumanji, like him doing shit like this. Oh, wiping his ass on banana leaves? Yes. Well, and as we've established with the Jumanji sequels, there are outposts, so maybe young Robin Williams was getting gas grenades. He actually had an Uzi. <laughs> and he just left it. He didn't want to admit like, that he was actually like living at like some nice like jungle like hotel for like 20 years and just like was becoming a bum. That's why he didn't shave. He was like, yeah, there were monsters and everything. Meanwhile, he's like, like at four seasons the entire time. <laughs> yeah, so this kid, what's his name? Trevor Jones? No, Trevor no. Jones is a composer. Oh, oh. Trevor, this is Trevor, Trevor Morgan. Morgan. Trevor Morgan, no. Trevor Morgan, um... This kid's really good. Yeah. I, I, not just a good actor, but he's a good character in this movie. That's the one thing I've had to say, with the exception of maybe the clone girl from um, the clone girl from Fallen Kingdom. I think all the um, kids that are in these movies are pretty good actors. Yeah, I don't think. Um, yeah, they're fine. They're fine uh, characters too. I think that the I two kids. The clone girl was a fine actress. No, and I'm just beating more on that. She, she was fine. I don't remember much of her character. You just remind me she was a clone. <laughs> All the right, only thing I remember is her pile on the, the five-year-old actress right now. I just will say that line that they gave her of, they deserve to live just like me, did not do her any favors. So that's mostly on whoever the fuck directed and wrote that. So you're right. I think she did fine. Yeah. Oh, no. no, no yeah, I'm, I'm, just being, I'm just being an asshole. Yeah. 
But no, I mean that, and that's the thing. It's like I guess maybe because the pedigree of these movies and like the like level of effort to a certain extent being put behind them that they're going for actually competent children actors. So, but yeah, that's I've always been impressed. There's never been a bad kid actor in these. No. I think the closest could be like Malcolm's daughter, but that like comes also just across as her being like sarcastic and just deadpan. I think they they were trying to have her be a little like um, Jeff Goldblum, and your mileage may um, go on if that worked or not. She doesn't even have Sega. That's the line <laughs> I remember. Such a troglodyte. <laughs> cool, but good word use. Why isn't she? In the, they gotta bring <laughs> that whole fucking movie. <laughs> I would like the next one not to have any of the OG actors. I just want all the kids to be back. Like, just so it's like you get Tim and Lex back, you get his dog Kelly back, and then um, you get Eric back. Just have them all, like, hanging out. Now, they're going to have all the original actors come back in this upcoming film, Jurassic World Dominion. Now, here is my question I'll pose to us. Are there any chances at all that any characters from the sequels appear or are referenced in these movies. Nope. Or in these, uh, and I, I mean specifically in two and three, I appear in this new one. I, there will be no so. scene where they talk about how Vince Vaughn is in prison for involuntary manslaughter or anything like that. <laughs> no, that's like, do they even reference part two and three in, um, this, in um, the Jurassic World movies? Like, uh, I, I think they're trying... They, they, they're quote well, the second movie in Fallen Kingdom briefly. And, and then, then they do, obviously, oh. with the pterodactyl. So you're right. They are in canon, but they try not mention them nearly as much They also, uh, this is a weird thing, the Spinosaur skeleton, I'm pretty sure in Jurassic World that's a reference to this because yeah. the T-Rex runs through it and that's supposed to be like a reaffirmation of like, hey, the T-Rex is the best one now. The yeah. T-Rex is the queen again. So Wait, what, what, when do they quote the second movie in... James Cromwell quotes something John Hammond said, in, but it was something he said in the second movie. Yeah, something about like how these creatures deserve. Yeah, it's like a speech. In the oh, he says something like yeah. that to Bryce Dallas Howard, and it's like John Hammond said. When I watched it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> now going back to the whole Vince, when he was on CNN, <laughs> going back to Vince Vaughn being in jail. You know how he just disappears from like the like he disappeared like last time you see is him on the. Um, helicopter yeah. leaving and dropping the bolts like oh they're not going to get him without their these <laughs> it's like i would have paid any amount of money just to hear like right before john hammond comes on and then you hear just like and the execution of nick van owen has been <laughs> carried out this way from 32 counts of involuntary manslaughter I, I would have loved when they landed the helicopter just the fucking feds to just swarm vince Vaughn and tackle him and just <laughs> a lot of people died because of you i will say um, if dinosaurs really do live everywhere now and have overrun the world, then Kirby Paint and Tile is probably doing really good because there's probably a lot of infrastructure damage going down. So he's so the, the Kirby's are probably doing fine economically at least. I don't know how long the marriage persisted after this movie. Do you think they were able to afford to put this son through college? <laughs> yes, but only after the fact. Oh, okay, that's good. Like, like uh, Eric probably went to community college when he was in his late 30s. But yeah, no, I seriously would pay, like, to see... Like, I would go see the new one if the first 10 minutes was 
showing like the world reacting to all dinosaurs being around it and all the characters from the sequels being slowly killed off one by one. So like Julianne Moore goes out to get like her newspaper and like a fucking pterodactyl comes flies away with her. Vince Vaughn's like really in the backyard and like a no, he's in prison. I think by a dinosaur. I think the only characters. I mean, I don't think there's any chance in hell any of the sequel the characters from the Lost World or Jurassic Park three appear in the new one. But if you held a gun to like someone's head and said you had to include someone, they would probably make it Julian Moore and Kelly, because Doctor Malcolm is in it. Yeah, not Vince Vaughn. I want. I want to see that scene when they just when Vince Vaughn finally gets out of prison. Vince Vaughn will <laughs> he appear. He was wearing the same clothes he wore in nineteen ninety seven. No, Vince Vaughn will appear as an extra. As like he he Nick Van Owen is working as like a goon for like whatever the evil companies are now, he'll just be one of the soldiers or something like Aww. that. Because that's probably what happened. He's, he's, had like a char- he's had a character shift. He's like, no, he's like, being on the inside for all those years, I just want money now. <laughs> but imagine, like, Vince Vaughn saying, so, like, no emotion. It'd be great if Pete Paul Stowaith was still alive if his character came back, actually. Yeah, that that's would a, be a cool one. That's back. a character. That's the only character I really want to see out of anyone, but yeah. Oh, he was great. Talk about an accidental great character. I mean... Maybe the greatest character in that second movie. Oh yeah, I would agree. That and the guy and Richard Schiff from The West Wing, the best hero, but the schlubby ball guy who got killed off quickest. He's, he's the most heroic character yeah. in that movie. Funny I think, enough, yeah. I think he's just heroic on accident. It's just more what the plot needs to do, and he just accidentally heroic. I don't think the movie intentionally made him the most heroic. What I love, someone joked about, like, you can see, like, when he's crawling through the window, he puts his hand down, like, on the broken glass, which obviously wasn't real glass, and it's like, he's such a badass, he's just slicing his hands up, and he doesn't even care. <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, back to Jurassic Park 3. Look, <laughs> yeah, we're three Look, Mr. Kirby, if yeah. you look out the window here, you can see Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> So they're they're walking through the soundstage right now. <laughs> well, w- w- that's a good time to mention this is a soundstage. This whole yeah. movie is shot on sound stages, and it's like they're they're good sound stages for what they are. But you can tell the the scale is smaller in this. It, yeah. it does make things look a bit more uh, minuscule. Yeah, like they're not like on a Gilligan's Island set where you, it's completely fake. But yeah, you could. You're right. It's like, not like the yeah. big open spaces from. The other ones. Yeah, I think of like the big, like the big epic shots of people walking around in the other ones, and it's like smaller here. And in some ways, you can argue it's appropriate because it's a smaller scale story, but it is an interesting, interesting observation. Well, I, it could have been an intentional directorial choice with mm. Joe Johnson. I, I don't. I, they already had the set to build by that point. <laughs> yeah, he, he came on. It was after. an intentional choice because the budget wasn't high enough to do anything else. Yeah. I also love how this was apparently the soundstage right next to the. Um, on, in the Universal backlot, that's right next to the Jurassic Park ride. So, like, occasionally, if they were filming a quieter scene, they could actually hear the Jurassic Park music in the background, and so, they would have to stop filming. So, Jake, he actually, I did see a thing where Joe Johnston said that he wanted the island to look more dangerous and claustrophobic in this. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. none of our points may be mutually exclusive here. Yeah. Wait, you sure this isn't a location right here? This is. What is this? Yeah, that doesn't it's look all like sound stages. That, this that, can't be. A that didn't. Look, that doesn't look like Burbank. I want to see the Hollywood sign in the background of that shot. The the things that were shot, from what I read on Wikipedia before we filmed this, so it's definitely accurate, was the opening and the ending where they're on the beach were on location, and the majority of it was shot on sound stage. This looks like a location, but it it, it could be just cal- they filmed in California Maybe, somewhere. Maybe. Yeah. I don't. This doesn't look like a. Well, they have so like I'm I'm thinking of that scene in. Uh, 
the first Jurassic Park where they're chased where they're being chased by the T Rex. Like mm-hmm. that's on the Warner Brothers lot, and if you actually look at that set, that is a much smaller set than it looks yeah. like. So they mm-hmm. can they can definitely manipulate these things. So true. Um, I'm not gonna pretend like I have an expert knowledge on the locations of filming here, but my understanding is that the majority of this was shot in a soundstage. Uh, here's the inadvertent funny part of the movie. It, it, just there. Which I will, by the way, there be changing my ringtone to that now. Actually, the the really inadvertent funny part uh, comes up shortly after it bursts through the cage. Yeah. But I remember, you know, and I, we'll get into that, but um, when you see the dinosaur break through this, I remember watching the trailer and be like, oh my god, the fences can't stop them now. That's so badass. <laughs> As you said, that probably wasn't actually thought out to be like that. No, just for a cool shot. It's yeah. a nice fake out. Yeah. But yeah, it bursts through the fence, and then they go and they hide in a, a shack with a couple bolts on it. And the Spinosaurus is banging on it like a robber trying to get in. And that could have been like a cool shot of it like tearing through the building and like they're trying to quickly get down the spiral staircase that we will see in a second. Like they're trying to get down and then it can't get to them because now they're actually like descending into like the hillside. No, like that would have Because it's like it could have just like stepped through the place. It, it could have followed them down. It could have fallen, gotten mangled within yeah. like the, the metal and everything. And that's the last time. When we think it's finished. We think it falls through the yeah. abyss. And then you see it again, and it's got shards of metal and spikes yeah. sticking out of it. Would have been that great. Could have been a, that could, and you know, going on the fact that no one dies for the rest of the movie, like that could have been a thing, like where they hear the phone ringing again, and then also like a metal pipe just bursts through William H. Macy's head because like the dinosaur came running up, so like he's now paled to the dinosaur, and you just see like William H. Macy's corpse dangling off it for the rest of the movie. Oh. It's like uh, Bishop and Aliens, where the thing sticks through him. Oh. Ah, <laughs> poor Bill. <laughs> Or Bill Macy. Listen, you know, he has to suffer for the crimes of his wife as well. That's a bit of a... <laughs> Give him the chair. Don't wet the sponge. Oh. Okay, so hold on. We have the lucky pack coming back. Not so lucky in this movie, though. Hence why it's weird that they mention it. I mean, I it's, guess... It's ironic because it's a lucky pack. Yeah. But it sure doesn't bring him luck. No. And, I mean, that's the thing. It's, like, I get it that, like, you know, it being the lucky pack is the reason why he grabbed the bag. Jake is doing so many gotcha <laughs> finger points right now. Off. <laughs> so saying. go on. But, like, I get, like, it, it, him knowing it's his lucky pack, that's why Grant grabbed it. But it's, like, if someone told, like, if Jake told me, like, hey, this is my lucky tuba, and then, like, he was over my place, and, like, the place was on fire. I wouldn't go out of my way to fucking grab his lucky tube. I'd be like, okay, that's just God. They could they have <laughs> come up with any other reason for him to grab the bag other than it being the lucky bag. But Because I don't think Grant really thinks, this is his lucky bag. Maybe if I have it, we will be given luck, and I will be able to get off this island. That's my Grant impression, by the way. Sounds like an English guy. Yeah, wrong continent, but whatever. But, yeah, no, it's very weird. But I do like that line of, you know, like, what if they find him with with, with us? What if they find him without us? Like, I kind of like that. No, no, what if they catch us without yeah. That's the fucking line. Get it right. I can't it's a good read, line. So I can't read the captions. What if they catch us without us? But, no, imagine, like, them going down the steps here and like, ripping through. <laughs> it would have been great. And I should also mention that this building was part of the um, Hot Wheels set that I had for this movie. Oh, see, this almost feels like a video game. This thank movie. you for thank you for that semiotic insight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna leave now. 
But it's like, it does feel like a video game. They're going to that this new stage. Now. Yeah. There's oh, a yeah. quiet well, scene. It's, it might be a result of just how it was filmed, where they just, like, the plot, it, it wasn't so much like they, you know, it was directed around a, a story so much as a story built around set pieces. Yeah. This one made a good DLC. <laughs> the Lost World Jurassic Park DLC. Yeah. yeah. You gotta go... Oh, the, 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 the sun's missing on Isla Sorna. You gotta go find him as Dr. Grant. That would have been... That's a DLC that, game right there. And that's the thing. There haven't been any, like, really, like... I know they had, like, the um, Jurassic Park, like, build, builder, like, a Sims, uh, like, roller coaster tycoon type um, game recently. But it's like, I would like an action game, like, a modern action game to be made on the Jurassic Park. That'd be great. I really like that Lego Jurassic Park game. Yeah. I actually think that's a pretty good game. Yeah, but, like, um, the Lego games are always fun, but, yeah, yeah. like a... like a an, actu- an actual narrative game where yeah. it kind of expands on the story and everything. That, that would be great. I mean, yeah, the closest we've gotten is Telltale, but, like, if you're not, like, into that... Um, like that style like it doesn't work for you like but yeah have like a far cry-esque um game series with this it would have to take place on isla sorna or i mean maybe not or and there have been a number of video games but like most of them have pretty mediocre the um one that's actually crazy is there's one where it's um you play as like an unnamed woman who like crashed on the island and like they actually got um Rich and Amber to come back and do like audio logs as John Hammond on his deathbed. Uh, it was. It was, that was the, that's World. the infamous one because that was. Uh, it's like a oh, really terrible. That's game. a really. That's like an infamously unfinished game. One of those things where they they released it and it was like clearly still a beta. But it's crazy because it's like you got Richard Amber, so there should have been more effort. But the best part of that game is like the life bar. They decide. How should we denote this woman's life bar? Should we just have it in the lower screen? No, have her look down and there's a heart shaped tattoo on the top of her boob that is like slowly drained of color and that's how we denote her health it's one of those wildly ambitious games yeah. that just did not get the uh the time it needed to come to fruition and it's actually interesting because the one thing that that's interesting about that game is it introduces the fact that easel sorna i cannot say it uh, the two islands were built on v- volcanic islands. That's why Hammond was able to get them because there was active volcanoes under them, and he was just kind of throwing caution to the wind because, like, oh, I can buy these islands. That's like the narrative they have in that game. So it's very ironic that that inadvertently inspired Fallen Kingdom. Um, a lot of the video games actually do feature levels where you go into like lava-filled caves. So I guess that's something that the video games just predicted. But back to Jurassic Park 3. Speaking of yeah, video I wanna, games. Yeah, I want to... Oh, God. Okay. Then we can talk about the scene. No, we are. That's oh, why I said speaking okay. of video games. I thought you were going to break up another video game. No. I was like, right. let's talk about the scene. It was a joke. So let's talk about the scene. This is actually a pretty good creative sequence. Yeah. I really like this scene. Um, this is, See, this is like inventive, you know? You, you can criticize the like Jurassic Park 2 and 3 of not doing too much new with like the dinosaur and the set pieces the adventure elements but here it's like this is like them being in this giant bird cage and the pterodons that we've kind of wanted to see since the first movie this was uh this was cool this this is like this shows the potential from like a much from what could have been a much better movie it's a very this is a very creative scene well this scene not this exact scene but the idea of a bird cage is in the first book yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's a great part of the book. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the best part of the movie. And like we joked about, like how awful the DVD menu is, but 
it should on the version we're watching the dvd like images billy in the background with the pterodactyl like swooping down it's like i when i think of this movie i don't think of the spinosaurus even though that's on the logo i think of more of this scene than anything mm-hmm. yeah it looks great also how great would have been if you packed that parachute wrong and just, <laughs> just like you see him plumped to his death it's like ooh. last thing i ever said to him before he accidentally walked off a cliff that he's no better than the people that built this place. He just, he just wily coyote himself to death. Yeah, like, it's very creative. The The music's very good in yeah. this scene. Um, yeah, yeah, this definitely nice inspired could... scene. Don Davis, you said, yeah. the music? Yeah, composer of The Matrix. Yeah, overlooked score here, actually. I, I yeah. think he does a great job. I, I, I always just assumed it was kind of just John Williams, or I never really thought about it. That's how yeah. good the music is. It, yeah, I guess John Williams was the one that recommended him, too. My friend, Don Davis. He'll do you fine, baby. <laughs> now, we talked, um, we were talking about something else with it. When they're in the bird, uh, the bird's nest, or bird nest, the pterodon nest, and he Eric throws a skull, like a clearly a human skull. Which one of the Jurassic Park 2 goons do you think that was? Jacob, do you know? Did they say any of this in the expanded lore? I don't think they do, so I'm going to deem it canon now that that was Peter Stormare. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, like, supposedly the... Hey, the, Carter! Hey, Carter! But it's weird, because, like, supposedly they've been trapped in um, this birdcage the entire time, so it's like, where the fuck are they getting their food? Okay, maybe they could be getting fish from the river and all that, but it's like, what person like wandered in here so that could be a midquel we could create where someone just lands on the island between part two and part three or someone's left there after part two like one of the explorers is left there and just accidentally wanders in there by accident and it's the first fresh food they've had in a while maybe it was the boat oh wait no no they got killed by the spino never mind well and that's the thing um the one version of the script because there was the end the original ending to this was the terrorons fighting the military that the one version of the script that I've um, heard and referenced in um, that the guy's YouTube channel I referenced earlier is that they find the crash boat and they see the three talons in it and then Grant's like, of course, and then like that's when the pterodons attack. So the implication for that draft at least was that they attack the boat, but it doesn't make sense because they were locked in. So it goes to show maybe if this script had one or two more drafts, it would make more sense. It's story of half of Hollywood right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was the shot from the trailer. Just like the ter- the pterodon in the background just before he grabs him. Very far away. Borderline out of focus. Oh, Jacob, it's your favorite part of the movie now. Uh, this is where Amanda Kirby accidentally causes the events of Jurassic World to occur. Do not elaborate on that at all. Well, she accidentally leaves the gate open... That allows the pterodons to escape. Ooh. And because the pterodons escape, then according to uh, the website, Vincent D'Onofrio's character got hired by InGen because he hunted the, uh, the pterodons down. And first, I want to apologize if those are... Those are pterodactyls, but pterodon is easier to say. So I was a pterodactyl. I never, I could never get... like Pterodactyl is much cooler sounding. Yeah, I thought pterodon was like the correct name. It's like how we're not supposed to call them brontosaurus. We're supposed to call them brachiosaurus. Like, Actually, let me correct you. They were called brontosaurus, but later renamed apatosaurus 
and then named Brontosaurus again after the fact. This is like fucking if Pluto's a planet. Like, come on, scientists. Don't you have other... Like, cure coronavirus. Don't fucking keep renaming dinosaurs. Um, it is funny, though, because... Uh, like here this we sh- go. Because this shot... And Jurassic World. Because <laughs> this shot is very ominous, and then it serves zero purpose in the ending we got. If we had gone to the ending of, like, them fighting with the military, that w- would have totally made sense. But as it is, we see an ominous shot of it, and then the next time we see them... They're flying next to the helicopters, and it's a whimsical shot. So it's a very weird tonal difference for the version we got. That shot we just saw of the birdcage, it's one of the biggest shots in terms of scope in the entire film. (laughs) Two seconds. Yeah, that's a good point. You just got to put Sam Neill in front of the green screen and superimpose it all in. I wish it actually looked like a giant bird cage, like it had the ring at the top to even. I feel like that's like in the Mad Magazine parody for this movie. Like Tweety's in it. Yeah. I'm gonna have to like look that issue up now. See, like here's like a nice little character moment where we learn about different sides and dimensions to these characters. This is kind of what we wanted the scene with him and Dr. Sadler to be. Yeah. Something like this. I, I love like his speech here and how he kind of has this relationship with uh, the son. Also, the scene is bullshit because he says two, there are two types of boys. One that want to be as paleontologist and astronaut. I did not. I wanted to be a firefighter. So fuck you, Sam Neill. No, it just means you wanted to be an astronomer. <laughs> You should add him. <laughs> he, he might respond. Well, because, you know, he's our, like, fourth longest subscriber, so he's going to be really pissed off when he sees this. Yeah, Sam, if you're listening to this. I'm very oh, sorry. Please yeah. don't unsubscribe. We get uh, another, our final shot of dinosaurs being amazing, followed by what could be the scariest shot in the entire film <laughs> coming up shortly. Oh, you mean when Bill pa- Bill Paxton when um <laughs> when uh, William H Macy gets impaled on a metal pole dangling on the spot space? No, it's I think I'm having a stroke today, guys. It's when he shoots himself in the mouth. God. Remember that? Yeah. I really want to see the live action Jetsons movie starring him. Still, I was talking about Boogie Nights. No, I know. I'm just oh, saying. Okay. I'm just making another William H Macy reference. And here we go. <laughs> I never thought it was that terrifying. It just... (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it's almost like a 3D... Like, the movie was supposed to be 3D, and they they left that in when they chose not to make it 3D. Billy was right. These things are terrifying. (laughs) When he screamed, run for your life, (laughs) and go... This entire island should be firebombed. He doesn't doesn't change his opinion whatsoever. He, He has no... No character arc through this movie whatsoever. It, it should be the only, the single, the only good line in Fallen Kingdom is when Malcolm says that the, the island should be destroyed. That's it. Yeah, and then the little clone girl fucks everything up. Yeah, fuck her. I want the next movie to be Jeff Goldblum hunting her down. <laughs> you don't have the right uh, to exist. Uh, 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 bite the curb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Let's take a break from dunking on this five-year-old actress. I think he's it's the character. Yeah, the scene. It's the character. So here's the scene that they do a gag, and it looks like it was made of like stock footage that they like incidental footage of the actors because it's like really quick and they don't look like they're really responding to anything. Yeah, you're right. right. They are. All right. And you're right. The case also like somebody, breaks the fourth wall. The dinosaur looks there. I feel like they. I cr- do like that they have that dinosaur though. That's a that's a cool, cool looking dinosaur. dinosaur. It, it's the same one that appears in Fallen Kingdom, right? The one that the T Rex kills. I thought it was, but I looked this up and it's not. Oh. Two different ones, but that's the one that appeared. It looked like the one in the Disney dinosaur movie. Yeah. Oh, the big yes. red one with the horn. I think that was the same one. Oh. Now, I do have to say, going back to it, like, and then how the dinosaur, like, looks at the screen, and like you said, like, it was shots that were cobbled together, I feel like it was created for the blooper reel for, like, the, um, cast party, where they, like, do, like, they're like, oh, what if a dinosaur showed up or whatever, and, like, like, it's an attack, but it smells of shit, that was supposed to be a joke, but they actually spliced it into the movie, and then they've just never taken it out. Well, no, the movie was, like, 65 minutes, so to beef up the running time, they used that. Yeah, they just added, can you imagine if they added some of the bloopers in here as well to just pad it out? Now it's a movie. Now it's feature length. Charlie? I am your father. <laughs> I'm gonna die fun. here. You need to know. <laughs> Mommy, my... it's the dinosaur man. He says that I that he's my father. She just hangs up immediately. <laughs> We're <laughs> taking you to live somewhere else. Mark's, Mark Deglar is not very happy. Up here's where William H Macy gets impaled. <laughs> That's oh, a great shot, yeah. and the animatronic and everything there. That looks really good. Yeah. yeah. Wish they brought this back for the new one. But I like one. that they're like stuck in the cage the whole time, too, as they're sinking underwater. That's a good set piece. Yeah. Yes. Oh, here, this is where <laughs> you can see Dr. Sadler telling her husband that Dr. Grant's the father. You see her gunshot when she comes inside. He's leaving now. Oh, and this whole thing with the phone. See, these are all like individual good set pieces, you know. I think it's maybe where the video game comparison kind of really yeah. feels mm-hmm. sort of pertinent, you know? I, I'm imagining... They're like great in a vacuum. Yeah, I'm imagining, um, even though it's completely different, there was a video game based on the Tarzan movie. Maybe I'm just thinking about it because it's jungle-based. But yeah, like it broke down those scenes same way as it could have been like this, and now you have this stormy water, water level, and it, it could have been a great game. Could have been, god damn it. Was that the the side scroller? Yeah. I remember that. Could never yeah. beat it, but I enjoyed it. It's a running theme that I could never beat these games until college or later. <laughs> I don't care if they were children's games, they're still difficult to play when I'm twenty six years old. I remember this scene freaked the fuck out of me growing up. Like when I saw this in not in theaters at the drive-in um watching this and be like horrified of claustrophobia slash drowning oh yeah that was it's a great set piece i i love that they're in the cage while the dinosaurs attacking them from the outside but they're still in danger because they're sinking in the water and they got a call on the phone that that's really good stuff in a vacuum um 
I also have but, to you say, know, there's a movie around it, I guess. I also have to say, when I was a kid watching it, I assumed when she didn't know what was going on, but then when her son went, rah, 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 that's when she put two and two together, and that's why she runs away. I thought Ellie was a lot dumber than she actually is. What if she didn't get it? She's like, what, what are you doing? What? And I feel like there should have been, like, a, there should have been, like, an AT&T commercial made out of this, like, or DirecTV. Like, what are the, what's the company that, like, it takes movies from, like, the 80s and 90s and gets the actors to come back and, like, hawk, like, DirecTV, like they did with, like, Doc Brown. Um, and it, it could have been a great one where, like, he's trying to talk to her, but the call keeps dropping. It's like, this is what happens if you don't have AT&T. Andrew, you're a genius. Let's sell that idea. For Jurassic Park 3 AT&T commercial. Yeah, but they, those Kids companies are all usually... demanding a Jurassic Park 3 AT&T commercial. Yeah, they only do it with like really famous movies like Back to the Future or Christmas Story. But no, we're gonna do it with Jurassic Park 3 now. Just I see I, as a kid, I thought William H Macy was gonna die here. I get it serving yeah. like sort of like as a character arc form where he. If there was more going on with this character, I think like kind of a redemption thing, then I think that would have worked. Mm-hmm. Lands right on the pun. No, people just kind of walk through the island and then they leave. Yeah, like literally after like what the thirty minute, thirty five minute mark, no one dies in this movie. Like they didn't have the balls to kill Billy. And that That's was a, that strange. was a the thing they that, added. That was like out. a last minute thing, from what I understand. That they kept him alive. I, I think Billy should have died. Yeah. And that's like I feel like you don't see him in the rest of the shot. Like I feel like they just got like Sam Neill to come back for one day, get on a helicopter, and just have him on the bed. Like I I I'll be interested when we rewatch it. Like do you see like William H Macy T. T. Leone or the kid like in the background, or is it like we're doing this as cheaply as possible? A William H. Macy digital stunt double. <laughs> oh, there it is. That's the last of the Spino. There it goes. There's later to be seen is a, a skeleton in Jurassic World. And I wonder if that was supposed to be the actual one. Like, they murdered it. Oh, wait. Different kind of God damn it. Um, I also don't know who was f- during filming this scene or a different scene, but um, it's one of my favorite stories where Taylion, I think it might have been the pra- plane wreck scene where the there it was when they were filming up the animatronic, and it clawed the shit out of her back, because for some reason they decided to make the claws actually really sharp, and she went home that night, and her husband at the time, I don't know if they're still married, David Duchovny, um, sees her undressing and sees just three gashes down the middle of her back. It's like at what point in the movie do they whip you? Dr. Grant. Could you imagine, like... (laughs) I said I have never been on this island. (laughs) This just turns into, like, the Scarlet Letter, like, (laughs) midway through. That's why William H. Macy had to redeem himself. Look at that face. Whipping her with the fishing net. (laughs) I miss fishing. How do you know she could help us? Well, what other reason was there to include her in the movie? You owe her a lot. Because Ian Malcolm is not going to help. <laughs> Can you imagine him actually calling... 
He calls Ian and he's got like he's got all his women over or something or like that. Or what if Ellie Sellers is oh, having God. an affair with Ian Malcolm? She, like she answers the phone and she's like just post sex with Ian Malcolm. So wait, uh, does this hello? Mean Charlie is Ian Malcolm's son. I wouldn't put that past Malcolm. No, Charlie is Grant's son because they banged right after Jurassic Park ended. And then the youngest one is Ian's kid. Like, just her poor husband. Like, none of those kids are his, and he's got to pay for them. Can you imagine Sally showing up to Malcolm's doorstep? Oh, Ian, it happened. Uh, What? Oh, another? (laughs) Oh, uh, good, because I I love kids. I have a whole bunch (laughs) of them. Here's our climax. Our big climax. Could you imagine if, like, they just tripped, like, they were all going to run, and they just, like, kick Willie H. Macy in the back of the back. Like, leg and just trip him so, like, they could save themselves? Back when I, I worked at a, a very small opera company when I was in college as a videographer, since it was very small, they used to advertise it as an intimate opera experience. I imagine the producers would use the same wording to describe the climax of this movie. <laughs> intimate, intimate. Intimate raptor and kind of... Yeah, you know, they do have the raptor encounters at um, at Universal. Like they have like a guy in like a raptor costume. Could you imagine if they called it instead of just Jurassic World raptor encounter? They just called it Intimate Raptor Encounter. <laughs> like it's well, raptor I, I get it. I get what they're your hair. I get what they're going for. Where it's like we're not doing a big thing, so it's like a almost like a character based ending. We've no. got these raptor characters against the human characters. Like I, I joke about it, but it's it's not like a terrible idea in concept. It's just. The whole movie's like this. Yeah. Could you, well, it's way, just like, it, it, you know, it's it doesn't really add up to as much as they want it to. When it goes to the thing, it's like that these, they're it's like, they're trying to make it seem like the raptors aren't killing machines, that they they just care more about family than anything, and it's like... Well, it's I think like all that, all that really happens is it's just like utilizing deus ex machina, or not even that, it's like a setup payoff, I should say. It's a setup payoff with the, the silly resonating chamber, and that's like... There's not much else happening below the surface here. You've got like the tangential elements of like the families trying to get their kids back together, but that never comes to the forefront. It's not like the raptors let them live because they understand the plight of trying to save their children. Like that'd be ridiculous. So, so they kind they of include, that. they include this like resonating chamber thing, and it's just like kind of a setup payoff, and that's all this scene amounts to. And then the helicopters scare them off. But could you imagine if they did like? Because in Jurassic World, you know, it does end with pretty much like the raptor, the ra- blue and um, the T Rex giving each other a nod and like walking away. Like the two warring gangs could agree, like. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they gave, they didn't nod. But <laughs> they, they were one step away from you. They, they looked at each other. They had a knowing look where they're like, we're cool now. If this was Fallen Kingdom, they would have nodded to each other. Yeah. They would have high-fived. Yeah. And you said this is Hawaii? Yes, this is Hawaii. And I like um, how like they didn't, like they sent all this military equipment for what came out. They just needed one helicopter and just thinking all the millions of dollars of taxpayer money that the Bush administration just okay to be spent to save Willie well, this is why This is why Isla Sorna didn't appear in future movies, because the military just came in and killed every single dinosaur on here. They were like, this is, this is not happening again. I, well, I was joking, and I mentioned this when we were watching the movie the other night. Okay, so you do see Eric and Sam. Okay, so you do see him in the shot with them, but... Um, 
I was, was jo- body double. I was joking that um, Joe Manzilla, or however you say his name, but yep, Tim from the, the Joe movie. Manzilla. How, how do you say his name? Mozzarella. What's his name? <laughs> Joe Manzilla. Let's just call him Joe Manzilla. <laughs> Tim from the Mazzello, first. Mozzello, right? Mozzello, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta wrap it up real quick. The movie's to be over in 30 seconds. No, no, let's keep laughing no, no, at Joe no. Manzilla. This, this is the ending of the entire commentary track. That um, he was in the Pacific, the sequel to the Band of Brothers series that HBO did like in 2010, and that was around the time that they were announcing they were going to do Jurassic World. And I said, could you imagine if that movie was about like he joined the Marines, like to get his, like to get over his PTSD from the first Jurassic Park, and the new movie is just like the like a battle between like the Marines and the dinosaurs on the island and. I think that would have been better than what we got. The army fighting dinosaurs. That'd be fucking badass. Well, that was... They had an ending written. Yeah, yeah. on that, yeah. going back to the pterodactyls. Like, one of the helicopters was supposed to crash because it got, like, tied up. And, like, one version I read, like, Grant was trying to climb the ladder and, like, the pter- pterodactyl got caught up in the ladder and they had to detach it. Sorry. I'm still <laughs> Jake's, Jake's done for the rest of the track. Yeah. Fortunately, there's 20 seconds left. Yeah. But again, those murder birds that and we just saw. I love Sam Neill's face in that shot. Yeah. It's whimsical now. It's a little Indiana Jones, yeah. uh, which, you know, ironically, Harrison Ford was, I think, offered the role of Alan Grant, or he was at least considered by Spielberg to play Grant. Yeah, because there's like that weird interview where Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg are there, and they're like, why weren't you in more movies of his? And Harrison Ford's like, yeah, why wasn't I in more than movies, Steven? <laughs> he had a cameo in E.T. It was just a very strange scene. Yeah, yeah that was cut out. Yeah, I've, been, I've always tried to find it, but I can't, and then I get bored five minutes after thinking about looking for it and can't find it. He, you never see his face. That's why it's weird. Directed by Joe Manzilla. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> That's right up there off Bat Hildebrand. I don't know any of the actors' names from these movies. Sam I'm Nile. disappointed we're not calling them by their character names. They, please, call Paul and Amanda Kirby and Billy Brennan. Oh, God, I didn't even remember that he had a last name. I just thought he was named Billy. So, well, on that note, uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed our commentary of Jurassic Park 3. It's been a very fun 45 minutes. So. Yeah, you know, if you were packing your luggage... Hopefully, uh... Not a bad thing to have going in the background. If you're Joe Manzilla, go into the set of the new Jurassic Park Dominion because the coronavirus... uh, The coronavirus catastrophe is wrapped up. You had something to do while you packed up. He's also one of our oldest subscribers. Now he's really going to be pissed off. My name is Manzilla. It's fucking Mangello. Wait, wait, what is his... What was it? Bruce Mangione. I can't. I don't even remember it now. Joe Mozzarella. Mozzello. Mozzella. Madella. Joe Smith. It's Joseph Smith. If you're thinking oh. of the Mormon, the Mormon Cabernacle guy. <laughs> Maybe the Holy they're... Land of Rochester, New York. Oh. Let's let's cut the Mormon joke out. Continue. Okay. Right. Well, let's just wrap up. So, but yes, um, we hope you listened, enjoyed listening to our 45-minute commentary. Our second shortest one, I think Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, it might be longer than this. Jacob, we don't need to cut out the Mormon joke. Mormons don't listen to commentaries. <laughs>
Oh, look at this cast. Let's see how large this cast list is. Okay, it's more than eight names. It's longer well, than I thought. When do we we get to characters? Yep, that's it. Symposium. <laughs> man in suit. Science report. Why did that guy get to be man in suit? There were other people in suits in this movie, but uh, I don't know. You sure? I feel like there had to be a few people. I feel like that the end credits music for this should have been the Randy Newman song that was playing in the bar that Dr. Grant ate at. I love, love, love. Big hat, no cattle. That's what the song's called. Could you imagine if he made like a "You Got a Friend in Me" style like Pixar song for this dinosaur adventure come to an end? Third time around, gonna make some more money. <laughs> Gotta make some amends. I love you, son. <laughs> I wanna. Be with you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Dinosaur. This is the second time when Rand Newman the end credits. What was the other one? Was it the Phantom? I don't know. Oh yeah, I think you're right. I don't remember what. Oh, fuck! Randy Newman's gonna be pissed off at Wait, us how too. How did we? Did we come up with? How did we come up with a Randy Newman parody of the Phantom? Oh, I did. I did it. I don't when, remember it, but we had like we had. 15 minutes of stuff to say. That was more than we had to say about the movie. Well, yeah, you just kept fucking cutting out because you couldn't hear me, so you guys had to just make up something. No, say. but we ran out of stuff like 20 minutes in the movie. It oh, felt yeah. like... Oh, yeah. it felt we, like... Should, we should tell Wes now. We, we were lying about not hearing you. We just couldn't... We couldn't think of anything else to say. Yeah, I felt like a comedian who ran out of jokes in the first 20 minutes of his set. <laughs> I, I was sweating. I was just... I, that was my least favorite commentary to edit, by the way. So I hope all of you enjoy it. And I hope, um, I almost said Jeffrey Rush. Um, I, I hope, um, Joe Manzella. Bill, Billy Zane enjoys it. <laughs> I'm sure he will. I'm sure when he How do you know Jeffrey head... Rush didn't listen to it? Oh. I, I just saw, I'm saw used to it. the Barbosa voice. Yeah. Someone in the credits was named Jeffrey that scrolled by. I don't know why I immediately jumped to him of all Jeffreys, including my father. But there you go. But Jeffrey Rush is spelled G E O F F. How do you know what my dad's name is spelled like? Because it's probably G J E F F. I mean, you're correct, but you shouldn't fucking just assume you piece no, of I'm shit. No, I'm gonna assume. So, oh, wait. So recorded at the Newman scoring stage. What? Woo! Don, does Don Davis know Randy Newman or something? Are they like friends? Is John Williams friends with Randy Newman? John Williams recommended Randy Newman do the soundtrack to this movie. You, you know, I can see those guys being friends. Randy they both Newman, played the piano. We we I only make fun of him because I actually I, I really like Randy Newman. There you go. I've like seen some of his concerts, not live, but you know. Yeah, he's I, talented in his I own. I really like him yeah. in his own special way. I think he would say. <laughs> well, he yeah. does. He's done some great scores too. I just I, I, some of the Pixar stuff he's done has been great. Yes, he just did Marriage Story, which I I didn't uh, know until yeah, Jake no, told me. I was shocked that. when I that was saw a that great score play. though. Well, I think his music is always really good. It's just I don't I don't know why he sing has to sing most of his own songs no, that he writes. That's my problem. With I, Randy Newman. I like Randy Newman's voice. I, I think distinct. it works in kids. It reminds me of movies, like but reminds me of like someone like. Uh, I, almost like a Roger Waters type, where like his work, his voice works in like a very specific context. Or like Bob Dylan, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. To me, Randy Newman was like when his mother discovered he could play the piano, and then he started singing. She encouraged him to do both things. She didn't say, "Hey, <laughs> she maybe you should just stick to playing the piano." She just said, "Oh no, no, you should still sing." <laughs> you pull back on one of those dreams, son. But 
Alright, well we should wrap up because I think the credits actually is ending soon. This is longer than the movie. <laughs> yeah, make them go really slow, put a lot of spaces. So, But hope you guys enjoyed this. Keep composing the Jurassic Park theme, Don. <laughs> Keep waving that baton. Roderick Cacciatorian. This is my David Lynch voice. David Lynch was the producer of this movie. Great job, Donnie. <laughs> Heck of a job, Donnie. Heck Keep of it a up. Job. <laughs> Heck of a job. Again, come to Second Rate Film School for the film analysis and jokes about the Bush administration. That's how they got Laura Dern to be in the movie, is David Lynch convinced her. Any actress that appears in the third Jurassic Park will be a movie star forever. <laughs> he just talks about transcendentalism. Um, Big cat, no cattle. Big cat, no cattle. Oh, I wonder which one. Are you sure that's a dinosaur? Are you sure that's not oh, those are the only two songs? That's the only much they could get afford. Dr. Phil Strub? Oh, Department of Defense. I didn't read that part. <laughs> Dr. Phil? <laughs> like, we're in the Department of Defense. Dr. Phil was the original choice to play Udesky. I'm just imagining him from like <laughs> this, this scary movie. It's when movie. he gets his neck snapped. <laughs> I did not say we should kidnap someone. <laughs> Well, as far as I'm concerned, force nicely Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this wrong Jurassic Park sequel. Which one was Bill Clinton? Oh, the 90s. He would have been in the 90s once if they had a Bill Clinton cameo in any Jurassic Park <laughs> film, which would never happen. These well, dinosaurs need our absence. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>